This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. It's OBEHAVE with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I got to tell you guys, Pet Safety Cat Casey is my BFF. That stands for Best Feline Friend. He is now nine years old, and I want to do whatever I can to ensure he lives a long, perfect life. And I'm betting all of you with cats purring on your laps are wishing the same for your feline friend. What is the secret to longevity in cats? For answers, well, Casey's trying to answer, but we're going to have a real expert on here. For answers, we have a special guest today. He was voted America's favorite veterinarian and holistic practitioner of the year. He has owned two successful veterinary practices. Oh, yeah, he's an international best-selling author. We could spend the whole episode naming all his accomplishments, but let's just park it right there. And welcome to the show, Dr. Gary Richter. Hey, welcome, Dr. Gary. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Hey, Dr. Gary wrote a breakthrough book in 2017, everyone. It was called The Ultimate Pet Health Guide. And guess what? He's back. He's just unleashed two new must-get pair books. They're called Longevity for Cats and Longevity for Dogs. Now, in an earlier episode, we touched upon longevity issues for dogs and what we can do. And now we're going to talk about kitty cats and how we can make them live healthy, long lives. We're going to find out how after we take this break first. So you know what to do. Sit. Purr. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest is Dr. Gary Richter. 
Please check them out after the show at drgaryrichter.com and ultimatepetnutrition.com. Thanks for being on the show again, Dr. Gary. You do so much. I have to ask. I mean, do you even sleep or do you just take a lot of cat naps? <laughs> a little bit of both. So kitty cats are not small dogs. Nope. Tell us why. It's a completely different physiology than a dog. Um, their bodies work differently. Their Lord knows their psyche works differently. Although arguably your little orange fellow there is a very dog-like cat. That's my secret. Truthfully, I've always been a very big fan of dog-like cats and cat-like dogs. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they're clearly, they're clearly a very, very different creature on just about every level. Yeah. And they have different needs and different nutritional demands. We're going to get on to all of that if, if we would. Now, the average cat tends to live longer, indoor cat, than the average dog. True. I mean, I think you pointed out in your book, the oldest cat on record, according to the Guinness people, was a 38-year-old cat. Mm -hmm. But you actually treated a 26-year-old cat in your veterinary practice? I did. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not uncommon for us to see cats 20 or a little above in our office. 26 is clearly an outlier. But yeah, I mean, they definitely have it in them. Given a little benefit from genetics and the right diet and environment, it's, a, it's definitely a possible thing. Casey is nine years young. He is a alum, I call him shelter alum, from the San Diego Humane Society. I lived in Oceanside, California for many, many years. I try to feed him right. I try to work his noodle. Mm -hmm. He is a therapy cat. He is a first aid cat. So he's in my classes. You should yeah. see him purring during one-handed CPR demonstrations. I am trying to give him an enriched life. Let's get into the mental game, if you will, because longevity for cats in your book, there's a lot of different factors. Food, of course, is huge, but let's work the mental noodle of a cat. And how does that benefit them age-wise? Sure. You know, I mean, when we look at what we know about longevity, mental stimulation and keeping keeping a person or an animal mentally engaged is incredibly important. When you look at, uh, you know, you may be familiar with this term blue zones. It's these areas in the world where there are pockets of people that have a tendency to live much, much longer than the average. Yes. And when researchers have gone and sort of investigated what are the, what are the particulars of these blue zones, one of the things that that carries throughout is these little these little pockets these little cultures of people have really strong communities and they, they yeah. and they're very mentally engaged with one another so you know these are not people that are sitting alone at home in a chair staring at a television they are out they're doing things they're talking to people they're they're mentally involved keeping the mind active and sharp has an enormous impact on our overall physical health. And that is certainly true for kitties as well. I think we all know that kitties just, they require a certain degree of stimulation. They are, yeah. they are a predator by nature, which means that their mind is always sort of on the prowl, so to speak. So giving them things to do, things to hunt for, things to play with, things to look for is a really, really important thing. And, you know, you, you mentioned it a moment ago, indoor cats, it is Critically, critically important uh, for both the benefit of the cat and the benefit of the critters that live outside to keep your cat indoors. That said, when you keep your cat indoors, you do have that responsibility to sort of maintain their mental stimulation and an active lifestyle. 
Well, I can tell you, Pet Safety Cat Casey gets a lot of mental stimulation. It looks he like keeps, he does. He keeps me on my toes. Let's go into, with the book, there was a big word, because you toss in a little science in your book, telomere attrition. Sure. I don't know if that's ever going to be on a question answer on Jeopardy or not, but this is important for us mere mortals and cat parents to know why. What is telomere attrition? Sure. So we are now from a science perspective, we are looking at what are called hallmarks of longevity. And what these are, are these are the these are the cellular and subcellular processes that happen in the body that cause the cells in the body to degrade over time and ultimately lead to aging. When it comes to telomeres, so if you remember your, your high school biology or not, cells divide. And when they divide the DNA in the cells, the chromosomes, they, they split and divide and form two cells. Well, so what helps do that are these, these, these small structures at the end of the chromosomes called telomeres. And that helps the chromosomes basically pull apart and divide. And what happens is, is as we get older, as our pets get older, the telomeres tend to get shorter and shorter. And the okay. shorter they are, the less efficient they are at cellular division and helping those chromosomes divide in a way that they divide evenly and are functional. So what happens is, is as telomeres get shorter, cellular division gets compromised because the cells that get created either don't function at all or don't function properly because the chromosomes didn't divide correctly. And that's that's effectively telomere attrition. So those telomeres get shorter, cellular division gets compromised, and then all of a sudden the body isn't working well because the cells that are being formed aren't working right. So with people, we just had celebrated the life of Bob Barker. He was a champion for pets. He was, sure was. 99 years old. Yeah. A few years back, it was Betty White also hit the 99-year mark, and she helped pets. <laughs> I know it. I'm not a scientist, but it seems like your heart is with animals, maybe you're healthier. I don't know. But longevity science, it's getting to be kind of a popular field for not only people, do you think, but also dogs and cats? Well, yeah. I mean, longevity science is one of the most exciting cutting edge fields in medicine right now. And, you know, while on the one hand, most of this research is being done sort of with a focus towards humans, you know, there's a there's a funny thing that happens in medical science in so much as something gets researched, it gets tested in animals to make sure that it's safe to use in people. And then after it's used in people, then somehow it gets sort of retroactively used in a clinical sense in, in veterinary medicine. So we sort of have to wait for that whole thing to come around. So when it comes to longevity science, this is also new. You know, one of the reasons why I wrote these books is because I don't want us to have to wait for this whole circle to happen. So where we are right now is a lot of these, a lot of this research is happening in animals right now. It hasn't even really been sort of gotten to the human side yet. But from where I sit, let's just start with the animals. And, and instead of waiting for that Thank whole you. cycle to play out, in, in this case, we don't have to lag 20, 10 or 20 years behind human medicine to get this done. We have the opportunity to do it right now. And there's no reason why we shouldn't. And the topic of longevity for our pets, you know, there's a number of books out there on different topics, but there's not as much on a senior dog or a senior cat or how to age well. Is that what sort of motivated you to write both of these books, longevity for dogs and longevity for cats? 
It seems like there's a big void to me. I've seen a lot of behavior books and other things, but sure, yeah. I mean, and you know, clearly there's no shortage of literature out there on on pet health. You know, to me, the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning is sort of figuring out the question of how do I help my patients live their longest and best lives? And I've spent 25 years researching integrative medicine and, you know, whether it's Western medicine, herbs, acupuncture, chiropractic, hyperbaric oxygen, stem cell therapy, what have you. A number of years ago, I got introduced to some of the people in the longevity medicine and science research community. And it really opened my eyes to what's coming next for human medicine. It's no longer about, oh, this patient got heart disease, let's treat his heart disease. Now it's about, let's rejuvenate this person's heart before they get heart disease. And that to me, it was an eye-opening moment and the next logical step from a veterinary perspective of how do we keep these animals young so they don't get the degenerative diseases that we know that they're gonna get over time. And for the ones that do get those diseases, is there a way that we can turn back the clock and restore them to good health? And the answer to both of those questions is yes, there are ways that we can do that. And those answers are getting broader and more comprehensive all the time. We're speaking with Dr. Gary Richter. He's got two new books out. Please go to Amazon, your favorite local independent bookstore. Get your paws on longevity for cats and longevity for dogs. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about gut health and inflammation and how that takes a toll on our kitty right after this break. So sit, purr, we'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, y'all, it's Kelly Pickler, and you're listening to Arden Moore on All Behave on Pet Live Radio. I love y'all. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper, and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to All Behave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I'm talking with Dr. Gary Richter. He's a genius, and he cares about your cat. And cats are pretty close to the vest because they're both prey and predator. They're like, yeah, yeah, doc, I feel really good, but I don't really feel good. Dogs can win Emmys, Oscars for emoting. Is it tougher for you as a veterinarian to really pin down what's going on in a cat because of this self-protective persona? You know, I think as a veterinarian, the thing that's tougher about cats is really sort of the game that they play with their owners. 
Uh, <laughs> and what I mean by that is cats are incredibly good at making everything look like it's fine. They're really, really great at it. And as such, and this is very, very well documented statistically, cats go to the veterinarian less than dogs do. That's just fact is just people take their cats to the vet less than they take their dogs. And that is in large part because you look at your cat and they're like, you're like, oh, you know, he looks great. But, you know, you really have no idea what is going on on the inside. You know, I had a client once who described his cat as being like an Italian sports car in so much as like when it works, it's the most amazing machine in the world. But when it goes bad, boy, it does it in grand fashion. So, uh, you know, I mean, the, the goal is, is to not let the metaphorical wheels come off before you take your cat in to get them looked at. In your book, Longevity for Cats, you say, you know, there's a pyramid and the base is nutrition. And there's people out there, we have four cats. I try to read the label. I'm trying to make sure the first ingredient is a recognized protein. Can you give us some tips, even with folks that might be on tight budgets, on how we can maybe up the nutrition for our kitty cats? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think a good place to start is cats are obligate carnivores, full stop. So, you know, cats eat meat. You know, as a colleague of mine once said, you will never see a lion drag home an ear of corn. It's just not a thing that they do. That's um, a good one. As a general rule, you will rarely see cats in the wild eat anything that's not meat other than, you know, you may see them, you know, nibble on a little grass here or there. But other than that, it's pretty much meat that, that cats are eating. So when we feed cats kibble, what we're doing is, is we're feeding them a food that is somewhere in the neighborhood of 60% carbohydrates. So you're going to take an animal that is an obligate carnivore that metabolically and evolutionarily speaking has almost no use for carbohydrates and feed them the majority of their of calories as carbs. They don't know what to do with them. So okay. what does that lead to? It leads to weight gain. It leads to chronic inflammation. It may lead to diabetes. Chronic inflammation can lead to things like arthritis, cancer, gut disease, all kinds of medical problems. So to answer your question a little bit more directly, if at all possible, get your cat off of kibble. Even if that means feeding them canned food, I am absolutely a proponent of fresh whole food diets in cats, and that would be the ideal situation. But even if you just went from kibble to can and cut back the carbs dramatically, you are going to do your cat a favor. That's good. And there are meal toppers. I mean, your own company has freeze-dried single protein ingredient treats and things like that. So there are some efforts out there that are trying to help us get better choices for our cats. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I mean, you, you bring up a good point is, is, you know, this is also not, it's not a black and white situation. If for whatever reason, it is a necessity in your life to feed your cat dry food, then maybe what you can do is combine that dry food with something else, whether or not it's some canned yeah. food, whether or not it's some freeze-dried food. Nutrition is not an all or nothing thing. It's better that you eat some healthy food and some unhealthy food than all unhealthy food. So get as much fresh whole food into them as you can and do the rest You know, from the best of what you can make happen. I like that. All right. There's not a lot of workout gyms in America for cats. There's a few places, you know, at cat shows where they have cat agility for the very fine percentage. But boy, cats are athletes. I saw something on Netflix, The Science of Cats, 
And the thing I walked away with as a stat was this, Dr. Gary, the average household cat can look at you and jump the height of a giraffe, which is why they're on top of your refrigerator, everybody, right now. That's amazing. What amazing athletic bodies they have. How can we exercise those bodies of indoor cats and work their noodles? Yeah, that's a great question. And we really do have to keep them both physically and mentally engaged. So there's a lot of ways to do that. You can engage your cat in playtime. Uh, you got to figure out what sort of toys or what sort of games kind of really get your individual cat going, whether it's, you know, a feather on a stick or a laser pointer or a treat ball or, or you know, something with a bell in it. All cats are going to be different, but there's that. You can actually train them to hunt for their food. Uh, you know, cats are naturally predators. So you can train them and and essentially put their food in different places in the house and let them look for it. Let them prowl around and look for it. That's both mental and physical stimulation. Okay. If you live somewhere where it's possible, you've probably seen these, um, these catio setups. Oh, yeah. Those are super cool. So basically, that's a way that you can have your cat be outdoors and get all of that mental stimulation of being outside, but they're in an enclosure so that they're not in danger and they're not endangering wildlife. I look at those and I always think of those little habit trails that you had for your yeah. hamster when you were a kid. Oh, yeah. It's just the larger version for a cat, right? We got here in Dallas, we put on a porch with a, and we made it into a petio. So it's enclosed for the kitties and our dogs. We can watch TV inside there on nice days. Texas is very hot right now. But the cats have cat trees. We have snuffle mats yep. and the dogs have orthopedic beds that we pop down and we're all in this room. And it's fascinating to watch a cat track a bird or a squirrel inside and smell it, see it, but not be out there. Yeah. And they'll do it. I mean, give them half a chance and that's exactly what they'll do. So, you know, anything that we can do to keep them engaged is going to be a really big benefit for everybody. And it makes them just generally speaking, an easier cat to deal with at home because they're not so frustrated and bored that they're getting into trouble. So I have four cats and I have two dogs. Maybe I'm rare, but I, as when they hit that senior year or whatever, I shift from once a year thorough exams for all of them to semi-annual. Yeah. Can you give us Benny's and the reason why we really need to take our cat in when they're older, at least twice a year for get the everything head to tail taken care of? Yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a great idea and I'm glad that you brought it up. I mean, you know, the situation is that cats are very, very good at hiding illness. And by the time they outwardly look sick, they've probably been sick for a while. You know, you don't need a degree in medicine to understand that the later something is diagnosed, the less treatment options you tend to have. So getting these older kitties in twice a year allows your veterinarian to do a full physical exam, get some lab work done when that's appropriate, and really start to hopefully be able to detect problems at the earliest possible stage. The other thing I'll throw out there for you, and this is all detailed in the book, is there are some other diagnostic tests out there that can be run that, you know, probably your veterinarian is not running as a matter of routine, but things that we can start to look for as far as things like vitamin and mineral levels, various markers of inflammation, things that we can look for that we can start to, that we can start to adjust that will hopefully help prevent them from running into problems down the road. What's an example of one of those diagnostic tests? Is it a urine or a blood? 
So for example, uh, there's a blood test that you can run where you can start to look at some vitamin and mineral levels, things like vitamin D, B vitamins, you know, minerals like magnesium. You'd be amazed how many animals, even the ones that are eating very good diets that I test that are deficient in vitamin D. We know that wow. vitamin D has an enormous impact on rates of cancer and inflammation and overall, overall health and immune system health. What a lot of people don't realize is that unlike people, vitamin D is not a function of sunlight in animals. Uh, oh, not surprisingly, they're that. covered with fur. They have no benefit of converting vitamin, you know, vitamin D from sunlight. It's all nutritional with them. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. Wow. So, and truthfully, I mean, most of us as people are walking around vitamin D deficient. You know, I, I could almost guarantee if somebody's not supplementing, they're probably vitamin D deficient. So what do you do for kitties? I mean, because you can get supplements in different forms that will be palatable that they'll yes. take. But for the aging cat, is it probiotics? Is it multivitamins? What are you, what are you saying? Well, I mean, it's all of the above. I mean, if we're talking about vitamin D, then you just literally supplement vitamin D. The catch with vitamin D is you can over supplement D. So it's very important to maintain an idea of what their levels are so we don't over supplement them and cause problems. But to your point, a multivitamin specifically made for cats, probiotics, omega fatty acids like fish oil, all of these things can be incredibly beneficial. There's a long list of supplements that I go through in the book, not necessarily saying that every cat should be having all of those supplements, but, but I wanted to go through and list these supplements and talk about exactly how they affect your kitty, how they impact the hallmarks of aging, so we can start to strategize what works for your cat. I like that. I have to tell you, you met my cat, pet safety cat, Casey. He's nine. But the senior in the furry Brady Bunch is our black cat, Mikey. You ready for it? He's 18 and a half years old. Well done. Keep it and up. And he's an indoor boy. He gets twice a year exams. We give him a lot of very good hydrolyzed protein canned food. I don't know your take on that. We'll ask you in a second. But I noticed, you know, he's got arthritis. We make things a little easier for him to get up on the couch and ramp mm -hmm. and things like that. But I don't know how long. Every day I say we have with Mikey is a gift. So what is hydrolyzed protein? Good, bad, what's your take? So, I mean, hydrolyzed protein is a processing method that basically takes protein molecules and kind of chops them up into little tiny pieces. So if a pet has a dietary sensitivity, essentially you can feed them a protein that they might otherwise be sensitive to, but because the protein molecule is cut up into little pieces, their immune system doesn't necessarily recognize it for what it actually is. I will say that there are animals out there that do well on hydrolyzed diets. Speaking big picture, they're not my favorite because they are incredibly highly processed. Um, I find that more often than not, there are fresh food options for those pets that work well. It can be a little bit tricky. You know, I mean, that's the thing about individualized medicine is, you know, there's never a one size fits all. And it's a question of figuring out what that individual does well on. But, you know, oftentimes there are, there are some better long-term options out there. We're wrapping this up. We're talking with Dr. Gary Richter. He is the author of two new books, Longevity for Cats and Longevity for Dogs. I like how you kind of take a what's in the future kind of look in the back of the book. And you talk about things like regenerative therapies, hyperbaric oxygen therapies plasma replacement. 
Are we going to see that with our aging cats? Well, we're already, I mean, hyperbaric oxygen and regenerative medicine like stem cell therapy is something that happens in my office every day. So that's already a today thing. Plasma exchange therapy is not super practical in animals just yet. I think it will be when we get to the point where there's sort of a synthetic plasma substitute option, you know, because otherwise, you know, what you're functionally talking about is something that looks like dialysis. And that is to say that that is cost prohibitive is the understatement of the day. So that's not something that's probably going to be done in veterinary medicine in the, the near future. But there are companies that are looking at synthetic plasma replacement therapies. And once that happens, uh, wow. then that is absolutely something that could be done. Your personal pets, who was the or is the oldest cat you've had and oldest dog? Name, shout out. Age. Sure. The oldest cat I've had, her name was Frida. She literally passed away a few months ago. We don't know for certain, but Frida was definitely north of 20. She was an adult cat when we got her, so we don't know exactly how old she was, but she was full grown when we got her and my daughter was an infant and my daughter is now 19. So, <laughs> okay. um, so Frida was definitely somewhere north of 20 and she lived great literally until her last day. Like I went upstairs a few months ago one day and I went to feed her and I looked at her and she looked at me and I just knew I'm like, oh crap, it's today, yeah. isn't it? And I took her in and we did some tests and yeah, that was that. Dog wise, we've had several, but uh, Elliot was a great little Shih Tzu, lived to about 16. You know, he's probably on the older side of dogs that I have personally owned. But yeah, I mean, so much of this is not only about how long they live, but how well they live. That's um, right. I think most of us would agree that if we could be healthy and feel great until the day we drop over dead, that's probably a win. I think and so. That's kind of the way I look at it with my patients is obviously I want them to live forever, but mostly I want them to live great until the day that they don't. I love that. That's a powerful parting message. Hey, everybody, we've been speaking with Dr. Gary Richter. Get his books, Longevity for Cats, Longevity for Dogs. Check him out at drgaryrichter.com. And also, he's got a site with some great treats and products, supplements, ultimatepetnutrition.com. You survived an episode with Arden Moore, Dr. Gary. I'm honored. I learned a lot and I don't know where Casey is now. He's probably taking a cat nap because he wants to make sure he's ready to go in another hour to play with me. So everybody, I have been honored to have Dr. Gary Richter on our show. I want you to do a check out at Pet Life Radio. We are the largest radio network on the planet. Humbly, you're listening to the longest running pet podcast on the planet. We have been on the air since 2007 when something called Skype, come on guys, rattle that cage. Remember Skype? That's what we relied on for our guests. We've come a long way, baby. And uh, I hope you check out my YouTube channel. It's growing. We have over 600 videos. Uh, please check it out. All things pets. Go to Arden Moore and check me out. And until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. 
every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.